what's up, political peeps? I am Arif Kapoor, and on this special episode of The Geopolitical, I am joined by four-year first select woman of Fairfield, Connecticut, and longtime Fairfield resident, Mrs. Brenda Kupchik. Ms. Kupchik, welcome to The Geopolitical. Well, thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Thank you so much for coming on today, Ms. Kupchik. But the audience doesn't want to listen to me talk, so I'll hand it off to you. As a third-generation Fairfielder, living in this wonderful coastal town of 62,000 people on Connecticut's southern seaboard. What are your favorite things about the town and how has the town changed since you were growing up to the present day? Oh boy, well, the town, first of all, has changed quite a bit. Uh, I grew up here and uh, the town probably was half its size, I'd say, as far as people. And um, it wasn't as developed Uh, So you live near Jennings School, and I lived in this area as well, and there was a lot of farmland, and there wasn't as many houses. Um, It wasn't as busy, I would say. Uh, Black Rock Turnpike was very different. Uh, Not that many stores. It was really very different. And what do I love best about our town? Well, there's plenty to love, right? Mm -hmm. So we have lots of stuff stuff to do. There's tons of activities. The beaches are beautiful. I love Lake Mohegan. I love going there. I love walking there, uh, taking my dogs there. It was, oh, I always enjoyed that space and and just everything really. The people I think would be the number one thing. I think um, we're really lucky to have a, a very generous and kind community that rallies around each other and helps each other's out, help each other out. And the neighborhoods are very close Mm-hmm. And people are proud of their areas, you know, whether it be the Stratfield Village or the Southport area or the beach neighborhood or where we live. You know, people are very proud of their their sort of neighborhoods. And um, those are some of the things I think that that I like the best. Yeah, I definitely agree. The people in Fairfield are, are so kind and generous <clears throat> and it's just amazing. But was there any specific people from Fairfield or from other parts of the world that that served as a mentor for you to become an official? Well, um, I have to say, I was very impressed when I was a young girl when I was in high school. And the only other woman who was a first select woman in Fairfield, her name was Jackie Durrell. And it was when I was in high school that she was elected. And I thought that was pretty cool because for a young girl, I thought, oh, look at that. There's a mom, a wife, and she's running the town Um, and she was doing a really good job at it. But actually I hadn't any interest really in being in public office. I liked politics um, in high school, but I didn't ever think I would run for office. And it wasn't until I was a young mom that I got involved in an issue that I cared about, a school issue that kind of propelled me uh, to run for office because I was disappointed with how the elected officials were treating Um, the people who came before them to speak. So that really energized me to get involved. That's totally meaningful that she was able to inspire you and you came so far as a woman in politics as well as a politician in general. But as a woman, was there any issues you faced? Was there any like problems with your work-life balance? I know you were raising a family also, you you have a son. Well, I have to say, I was just in local office then, um, our form of government. So we have the board of selectmen, we have the first select person, then the board of selectmen that they're the chair of. Then we have the board of finance who votes on funding items. And then we have the local RTM, 
which is the legislative body of the town. Now, really, you only have to attend two meetings a, a month for that committee, unless you're super involved or there's a big issue happening in town and then you want to go to all the other meetings and speak your yeah. piece and hear what they're saying. Because back then they didn't have fair TV, so you couldn't watch it um, online or anything. So you had to go. And so um, it was less, um, I would say, uh, difficult uh, then because I would just go to the local school where they had the RTM meeting at night. So I got everything done I had to do. Um, I just worked part-time back then. I was helping my husband run the business. I'd cook the dinner and then I would go to the meeting, which would always start at eight o'clock. So it worked out for me. And then I ran for the Board of Education, which was a bit more responsibility than the RTM. But I liked doing it. I served there for six years. And then I ran for state representative um, and served up in our state's capital in Hartford. And that was a little a lot more work than any of those other ones, because that was actually like a job. Yeah. Um, you had to drive to Hartford. You had an office. You had an actual legislative aid. Um, you would have to go to committee meetings. You would have to screen bills which means you have to really pay attention to the bills and what they said in them. Um, and then you would debate things on the floor so and vote. So I served up there for nine years. It's a lot of work, but nothing compares to this job that I have right now. <laughs> this job is definitely the hardest uh, political or public service job I've ever had. It's um, a full-time and then some job where in the legislature, we would serve like six months out of the year. And then the other year, the off year, it was like four months where this job is every single day, <laughs> all the time, um, regardless if I'm in town hall or not, I'm on my phone answering emails. I'm, you know, the chief of police is calling me on the weekends to tell me about things that are happening in the town. Um, if there's a power outage, if there's a storm, you know, all of these different things I have to be involved in regardless of what time it is or if it's on the weekend or not. So this is most definitely the most uh, demanding job um, that I had. And I have to say, I never thought I would run for any of these things um, ever. I never really pursued them. It was more like a, a, a sort of a call if you ever People were like, you should run for this and you should run for that. And I, I was like, and even this job, uh, to be honest with you, I never in my wildest dreams thought I would do this. And a lot of people said you should do it. And after seeing some of the things that were happening in the town right before I came in, decided to run, you know, I felt like I had to do it because our town was, in, I thought, not in good shape and it needed better leadership. So that's why I felt um, like I, my town needed me, if, if that makes sense at all. Yeah. And you, like you just mentioned, it was a calling for you. How long did it take you to get into the groove of the job? I would, if, if, if you can say this, that. This job? This job. Oh, boy. I didn't have much time to, uh, you know, uh, get my exactly. sea legs, as so to speak, because there was a lot of problems from before so like when I came into the office the first day, mm -hmm. I got sworn in and they, they, there was letters on the, the desk uh, from the Department of Environmental Protection um, certified mail mm -hmm. that wasn't opened from October. What? And wow. I got sworn in on November 25th and those letters said the town of Fairfield is in trouble and the town of Fairfield has to respond. 
to these notices of violation um, regarding the contaminated soil that was placed in the town. So I immediately called the town attorney and we drove, we made an appointment uh, within a week with Department of Environmental Protection in Hartford. We drove up there. I hired an environmental attorney and we sat with about 12 people in the, they're called the DEEP, D-E-E-P, um, and uh, talked to them and got information about what was going on. And so I didn't have a whole lot of, um, it was kind of on the job training, if that makes sense to you. Yeah. So I was learning as I was going along. And um, then the COVID hit uh, four months in, right after I uh, put together my first budget for the town and before I was bringing it through the town bodies, then we had to constitute an emergency management team. I had had to sign a declaration of emergency for our town, which was something I'd never even heard of. Um, and which gave me more powers to do things in our town uh, in an emergency situation. And so we had to figure out this whole online, nothing, nobody was having meetings on Zoom before COVID or WebEx or any of this stuff. And so we had to get our IT person and our department and get together and figure out how we were going to run the town because people didn't want to be in the same room together. We had to split shifts and all of that because the town still needed to run. And we needed to conduct our business and have our town meetings, but I didn't really know how to do it. So we were working on that. And, and so to tell you the truth, I didn't get a whole lot of time to figure it out because I was faced with a big emergency um, between the fill pile and also COVID. So um, I actually kind of look back at it now and think that that might've been a good thing, even though it was really stressful and hard because it pushed me into all these big decisions and I just had to make the decisions. I had to. So um, I learned a lot. I have to say over the last four years, I've learned quite a bit. I know you're running for office again. Um, and with that stress that you just described and it resulted in all that growth, what made you decide? Was it another calling that ha is having you running again? for office or did you decide that you wanted to run for office again to continue growing? That's a good question. So um, that's a very good question. <laughs> so to tell you the truth, um, I, you know, after that, these four years, I wasn't uh, completely sure I wanted to run again. Um, it was a lot of work. It's been very stressful, uh, very hard. And I thought to myself, um, you know, maybe, maybe it's, you know, after these four years, maybe I should step back. And I thought long and hard about it. And what I thought after, you know, taking the time was I had worked so hard to make so many changes in our town. And it was really, really hard. Um, we made some really great changes, uh, my administration and myself. And I didn't want to leave before I saw those things working and got to tweak them and fix things that aren't right. And when you work really hard, it's like, I kind of like give you this example. If you're putting together like a Lego thing or a model or a giant puzzle and you've been working on it and working on it, it's like walking away from it right at the last quarter that you needed to finish, right? And so I feel like the, our, my town, you, maybe you're right when you say calling, maybe it's the same thing you know, that I feel like the town still needs me. 
and I'm willing to give uh, everything I have uh, to, to complete the work that I started. And how much more of that do you think is building? How much more of the Legos need to be placed? So that's, a, that's a really good question. So um, there was so many things that were broken um, in the town, uh, things that weren't attended to or, or managed properly. So I made a lot of changes, big changes, and it wasn't easy um, with our form of government. It was a little more tricky. And also just the, just government in itself sometimes takes time. But um, I would say to get kind of where I want our town to be, like as far as management and all the departments running exactly the way I think they should, um, you know, I would say probably another four years, um, you know, of work because there's other things you have to do. Um, you know, I, I like to be engaged in the community. I like going to speak to students uh, at school because I enjoy that. That's the fun part. Um, I like to cut ribbons at businesses because I want to make sure I'm there to welcome a new business owner who's putting all their effort and time into opening a business in our town because having businesses is really good for our town. Um, and so those things I like to do, that's not the work, right? That's not the work in the office, the things that you're changing, but there's two parts of the job. So you have to focus sometimes on the, the, the town hall matters, and then you take time to be also the person who people want to engage with and talk to. So it does take more time than you would think. That's really interesting that it actually takes while it's not just you going and announcing the new law or bill that you're passing, it's a whole process that going through the RTM that nobody understands. Yeah, that's true. And yeah. it's, it's, it's dealing with, um, <clears throat> you know, my husband and I ran a small business uh, for a long time and he still runs it. Um, but in, when you're working in government, um, there's unions and they have certain rules and things. So it's not the same as when you're running a business, you have more control when it's your business, as opposed to when you're working in an environment of unions and things of that nature. So you have to kind of work around and work within that, those rules mm -hmm. uh, to get things done the way you want them. Um, so it does take a little bit more time. And in the campaign you're running in, in the coming year, and do you focus more on the community or do you identify focuses based on those building blocks you're looking to build on in the coming year, in the coming four years? Or, what, or is there any other things that you focus on when you are building a campaign and running for office? And what are your objectives that hopefully benefit your votership? So campaigns are, um, you know, typically their their work, but you have people helping you, and you hire like a campaign manager, you hire people to help you with the campaign. So this is the first time I'm doing a, a full time um, government job, so to speak, and running a campaign. Uh, the the job of first select woman comes first. Uh, my responsibilities, those always will come first. And, you know, if I take a lunch break, maybe go to lunch. Um, typically, I eat lunch at my desk, to be honest with you, uh, because I'm so busy. But sometimes I can go out for lunch and maybe I can take my hour lunch and 
work on my campaign or answer emails or talk to somebody. Um, and then on the weekends, you know, uh, right now I'll say I'll march in the Memorial Day parade, right? Or I'll go to the C Memorial on Saturday, which I normally would go to anyway as the first select woman. But then, you know, then you can campaign after you're done with your official responsibilities. So if I have official things, if I have to go to an Eagle Scout ceremony, say, for example, on a Saturday or a Sunday, then when I'm finished, I can put my sneakers on and um, meet my campaign team. And they could maybe already be out. Uh, and I jump in and start knocking on doors and having that opportunity to talk to our our community at their houses. So that's kind of like the campaign piece. And what I will be talking about that on the campaign is about the work I've done over the last four years, right? And you hope that people um, like what you've done. And if they like what you've done, then you think they'll hopefully vote for you or support you. And maybe some people don't, you know, that's just how it works. Some people may not like uh, your message or your ideas or the things you have done. So that's just, those are campaigns, right? And within the campaign that you're building, as well as your job, what is the hardest part of that? Is it the balance between, I imagine that it could be the balance between the campaign and your official work, but is there another hardest part of your job? Well, it's like I said, it's a 24 seven job. Um, and so because the budget has passed, that whole process started in March and it finished in May, in the middle, like the beginning of May. And so now the town, say, hall is a little quieter because the budget takes up so much time, so much work. There's questions and all the elected officials are always asking things and you're trying to get them information. And, you know, you're going to a lot, a lot of meetings, so many meetings. But then it slows down as far as that part of it goes. The town itself still has needs and things and people email me all the time. And I stay up late last night, I'm emailing and, you know, I wake up at six and I'm emailing, you know, when I have my coffee and I'm emailing, you know, um, people are, yeah, a lot of emailing. So um, it's a good way to get things done. Right. And then I had a lot of phone calls today, but then there are going to be days where I can take off. Like I'll use my vacation time. Um, that I don't really use that much during the year. So I can use my vacation time or I can take a personal day uh, to, to work on my campaign. But I do have a lot of people um, who help me. So I don't have to always um, be doing all the detail stuff. And, they, and I, these are people that I trust will do a good job. I know I even organized this meeting with you, with your secretary, she was great. And um, we were able to put this together. And it, it's really amazing how all the parts of the government can come together and you can lead everybody to this. And at town hall, it all works together and the RTM is able to pass things. And I noticed that they were passing things faster um, in the previous weeks. Yeah, they actually, uh, I put this in my newsletter. I, yeah, I have a that's, um... bi-weekly newsletter and it was the first time I think in the history, no one can remember that all three bodies, the Board of Selectmen, Board of Finance and RTM voted for the budget unanimously. Nobody voted against it. So that made me feel really good because that's quite an achievement to craft a budget that um, 
that had low enough taxes, but also invested in the right things that people care about in education, in our, in our public safety. I added police officers. We added a, a, a position in the fire department. We did different things and people and still were able to keep taxes low. And all the town bodies pretty much thought that was a decent budget, enough that they'd vote for it. So yeah, I felt pretty good about that. That was good. Mm -hmm. And can you give us, can you give our viewers like a state of the union of the town? how you are working with the budget and how that is either increasing or decreasing taxes, as well as other parts of the government, such as beach, beaches and other, um, Lake Mohegan, other pieces of the town that are being maintained. So we start, so I start the budget process in like September and it's a very long process. And so I have a, my staff, right? So I have my chief of staff, her name's Jackie, and um, she is involved in those meetings. I have um, the town attorney who we do staff meetings every two weeks. And sometimes I bring in different departments uh, heads. I always have the HR director in there because she's very involved with all the departments. I typically will have the DPW director in those meetings and that's the Department of Public Works because they are literally like involved in paving, uh, snow plowing, uh, road maintenance, uh, parks, you know, all of that. And this uh, chief financial officer is in that, those meetings as well. And so we start building the budget and it, it means 18 departments. We have 18 departments in town, government. And so each department will come with their budget from last year and this process even starts before I get involved. They start meeting with the budget director and the CFO to go over last year's budget and then things that they, you'll have their papers and they'll be like, okay, here's the budget. You know, I want to maybe add a part-time person or I know, you know, I went over my budget in some supply or we didn't bring in enough permit fees. You know, we need to adjust or whatever it is that they think their department needs. Um, they'll come to me. And then we'll sit around the table with all the financial uh, department and we'll talk and go through it. And I'll ask them, you know, why do you need an extra staff person? Explain it to me. What is it going to do? How is it going to benefit the community? How is it going to benefit your department? And sometimes they need capital requests. So maybe they need a truck or maybe the car that the conservation director, he drives a uh, like an SUV because he goes to all the conservation areas like Lake Mohegan and all, Brett Woods and all these different areas. And so, you know, we ask questions, we learn a lot of information. I take a lot of notes and then I meet with each department. So I try to do two departments a week. Sometimes it's hard because there's other things happening and I have other meetings. So we get through that whole process with the 18. Then some of the departments, I want them to come back because then I've worked on it. And because then I have to take all these 18 departments and we have to look and okay, this one wants that, that one wants this, this one. And then you got to put it all together and then you have to look at the revenue streams and the finances and see how does that plug in? How is that? What does that do to the tax rate? And so it's a it's a really long process. And sometimes you have to wait on information to see what the revenues are going to be, what our insurance costs are going to be, all this stuff. So at the end of the day, you get closer and closer to when we start presenting the budget, which is in March. We start seeing it take shape because we have data. Now I can make better decisions. I could say, oh, the police, 
the police chief wants to have two more officers. You know what? I think I can do that um, because now we're getting this revenue in and we can do this and we can do that. And then I have to sometimes say to some departments, I get that you wanted a full-time person, but I think let's start off with a part-time this year and let's see how that works. Let's see if that's helping. And then we'll reassess and look at it next year. And then we sometimes just modernize job uh, descriptions. You know, for example, when I first came in, these job descriptions were so old, they were literally typed on a piece of paper, like typed on a typewriter. And a lot of them said stenography skills. Do you know what a stenographer does? No. I know. <laughs> so, so if you ever go to court or if you watch it on television, there's like a lady or a man sitting there typing on this little thing. And it's got like, it's like almost like a code. And they mm. type really, really, really fast to take every word that is being said. Well, obviously in the 60s, that was something that people did. Why we had job descriptions still and like that when I came in in 2019 is beyond me, but we used to have them. So we had to rewrite them. We had to do all this work. So that's the heart of it. You're always trying to people. It sounds kind of boring, you know, budget, mm -hmm. but you can't just, you have to have a real budget when you're running a town and it has to be laid out succinctly and it has to work. Then you have to present it to the town bodies and they have to be hurt. They want to hear everything and understand why you put it together that way. Because after the budget passes, I can't just say, whoops, I made a mistake. I needed another person in this department. Mm -hmm. I can't do that. Once it's passed, then you have to wait till next year. Exactly. So you really want to be sure that you're making the right decisions because you don't get to just say, oh, I need a little extra money. Let me take it out of my savings account or it doesn't work like that. So, so it's a, it's a hard process, but we get through it. That's the meat of it. That's really the meat of the being in office and making sure everything's running right. The most tedious part of your job? Oh yes. It's very tedious. Yes. And the town meetings, there's so many of them. Um, there's so many and they're very long. And um, sometimes, you know, there's three boards and they'll ask, you know, the same questions over and over and over and over. And that can be very tedious. It would be nice if we could all come together, you know, uh, have the budget meetings together so they could ask questions. So if a board of selectmen person asks a question, the board of finance could be there and they could say, oh, that person already asked my question. I don't have to ask it, but they're very picky. They don't want to meet with each other. I don't know why, because it makes sense. We'd save time. And it's better for the department heads too, because they don't have to be going to all these different boards, asking the answering the same questions, because everybody typically asks the same questions. Yeah. Um, but it's, um, it's something I would like to try to change. <laughs> That's one thing I would like to try to change because it's more, I think, efficient for our department heads. Um, they're out night after night after night and they also have to work, um, you know, and, and, run, and do their jobs during the day for the town. So I'm trying to do that and make some changes and sometimes change is hard for people, but once I think they see it, they, they may realize that it's a good thing. Yeah, and I've even previewed some of them on Fair TV, and they're like hours long. Oh my God, you have no idea. <laughs> and, and you've been on the Board of Ed, and those Board of Ed meetings are also very long. 
Yes, they're very long. And Miss Kupchik, before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you, is there one thing that the West listeners of the world don't know about you, like a restaurant, a fast food joint, a hidden gem in Fairfield that you enjoy, that you would want the world to know about? Hmm. Oh boy. Well, our restaurants, right? We have some, we have great restaurants. I don't think you could go, you could go out to eat once a week at a different restaurant. And I don't think you'd go to all of them in like months. (laughs) There's so many and and they're great. Uh, We have such a diverse like amount of like different food, like I love the Indian um, uh, place here on Black Rock Turnpike. Do you ever go there? Um, no, not that one. The other one next to Mobile Mart. I always forget the oh, name. Oh, the Bonani of- Indian. Kitchen. Oh, Bonani. I love his chicken mis- uh, chicken mi- masala. I love it. Um, but then you have uh, the falafel. I love his food. It's delicious. Then you have Italian. I love Brickwalk Tavern. I love uh, Sinclair. I love Malta. I love Old Post Roads Burgers. You know, so there's so many good things to try. But what are I think what I would say to people who maybe are new to town that they should really um, like look at our on our online to look at our conservation areas because we have some really cool like trails. Like a lot of people may not know about Lake Mohegan or Brett Woods or um, uh, Perry's Pond trails or these conservation. We have quite a few of them throughout town and they're really neat. Um, They're beautiful. Uh, Conservation department just put up a bunch of bluebird houses that they built. Um, And, and there's bluebirds just coming up in those trails that that our residents could go and, and see, you know, so there's, there's a lot of beauty in the town that I don't think um, everyone knows about. And so I always say, go take a, take a look at our conservation areas, go, go walk in the woods a little bit. It's good for your soul. Um, It calms you down (laughs) to be in nature. I love to walk in the woods. I feel like my blood pressure goes down so much. Do you get the chance to do that ever? I have been to the Audubon Society near um, Pumlinson Middle School. Yes. And I've actually never been to Lake Mohegan or Bret Woods, but I that is on my bucket list for the summer. So we, we live right near Lake Mohegan, right? You live near Jennings School, right? Yes. So that's an easy one. You just park where Lake Mohegan, where the swimming area is, and you go right in the trail, and they're all marked, the trails. So... You can't get lost. Um, And it's really, it's nice. It's a nice place. But also there's an Audubon up um, in the Greenfield Hill area of our town. That's the other one where they have actual trails too. And it's just a nice relaxing way to kind of take a walk and see what the beauty that we have in our town. So to me, I would think those are some of the top things. See, you didn't even know about, you didn't ever went to Lake Mohegan. So I'd be curious to know how many. I feel like a lot have been, but I moved in the pandemic and I've oh, never had a chance. Did you? Did we you? We moved during the pandemic. And that's actually why I asked you how Fairfield has developed because it's certainly developed a lot since I moved here. As when I came here, 
I I couldn't go to the library. Well, yeah, that was because of the pandemic. Yeah. And, but we did have, you know, library giving stuff out, you know, curbside delivery. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, we did a lot of that stuff, but so the town hasn't grown that much since you moved in. It's just more alive now. It's more alive. And the town is always, but felt family centric. And I've always been able to associate with my neighbors, even through the pandemic. And it's such a great place for people to come, I think, and raise a family. And we have people moving in from New York, upstate, and the city. It's a nice, calm sanctuary. It is. Where did you move from? I moved, I moved from Massachusetts, near Boston. Oh, okay. All right. So Massachusetts is kind of like Connecticut, I would say. Yeah, um, it was a suburb of Boston. Yes. So, yes. I mean, listen, I think Connecticut's a little better. <laughs> we're, and we're closer to New York where we have a lot of cultural things to do, which is fun. Um, but oh, welcome. Well, welcome to, to Fairfield. I think it's great that you moved here. Yeah, the diversity in Fairfield is also amazing. Yeah, it really is. I have to say, um, and it was always like that. Um, more diverse than Westport, uh, New Canaan, Darien, Greenwich, you know, it's just a more diverse, not just um, culturally, but also economically. And so that's something I strive to do is keep our tax rate low um, because I want people to be able to move into Fairfield and stay in Fairfield. So, you know, when you buy in Fairfield and or you're renting or whatever it is, you know, people stay and then they get feel like they can't afford to stay. And so I think we need a mix, right? Young families, we need seniors to stay here because they pay taxes 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and they want to stay in the town that they helped to build. So we don't want just all young families. We want young families. We want singles. We want seniors. You know, we want middle-aged people like me, um, you know, to stay in the town because it, it gives us that, you know, that, that, that wealth of diversity, which I think is really important. And you can meet anyone here and have any food. That's true. That's right. We are the best kept secret in Fairfield County. <laughs> Definitely. Well, I want to give you some credit. You're, you're quite accomplished for a fifth grade student and um, you're very articulate. And I think it's awesome that you do this podcast. It's very innovative. I don't think I've met another fifth grader doing a podcast um, in all my years doing uh, public office. So kudos to you. Well done. Thank you so much, Ms. Kupchik. And I know there's probably many officials out there who wouldn't be willing to come onto a 12-year-old's podcast. So I, I really appreciate you coming on today. Well, I appreciate you. Thank you for coming on. And thank you for listening to The Geopolitical.